0: today about peace with God. Uh, When we talk about the the benefits that we receive from the cross, we've covered a few. One of the major benefits of the cross is the power of forgiveness. How many are thankful this morning for the power of forgiveness? And the power to be a forgiver. (laughs) The wonderful thing about when the cross affects our life, it affects us. (laughs) We become changed. And The forgiveness of God affected us. It radically changed us. I didn't just receive forgiveness. Now I'm able to pour forgiveness out onto a world. So the next time you get mad at somebody, I want you to remember that. (laughs) I want you to remember remember the mess-ups that you've made. Then at the same time, remember how Jesus, through you, can forgive others. Another major benefit we've talked about is the voice of the Lord. One of the major things that the cross gives us is the ability, everybody say ability, and the power to hear God. (laughs) We can hear the Lord. I'm no more have to go to hear a priest tell me what he thinks God's telling me. I can hear the Lord. Every person in this building, in fact, the Bible says that his sheep not only hear his voice, but his sheep know his voice. Now you may have not have developed that skill yet. You may have not have exercised that muscle that God built into your heart. And that is the ability to hear God. But it'd be well worth exercising, it'd be well worth getting started on it, wouldn't it? To be able to hear the Lord. You know, my peace with God, I made peace with God listening to Billy Graham all those years ago, and you know that on television drop down. But it didn't just start there. In fact, it started about a year prior to that, a little over a year. I worked at a place and ever so often, now everybody, they look at my life, they think I was living the same way, thinking the same way, feeling the same way. But they didn't understand what was going on inside me. For about a year before that, I would slip into that back room and with tears flooding out my eyes, I would say, God, if you're there, I need you to help me. God heard that cry. I just want you to know that your peace with God may be a journey, but it's okay. (laughs) I mean, it comes down to an ultimate time and place, but we're on our way to that time and place a lot of times. So you don't be intimidated. Wherever it is that God's dealing with your life, drawing you in, you just respond. Everybody say respond. Respond. You just respond to what God is working in you. And if you will respond to what God's working in you, you will eventually get there. Amen? But I don't want to just talk about Well, for peace with God, let's go to John. If you would, let's skip over a scripture. Let's go to John chapter 14. Oh, no, let's go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. It simply says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith... We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done. Let me say, peace with God has very little to do with us, but has everything to do with Him. It's the ability to receive what Christ has given to you. He died on the cross. He forgave us a debt that He did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay, right? That's what we say. But because of Jesus, I gained peace with God. But now gaining peace with God opens up another avenue of God to my life. So not only can I have peace with God, now I'm able to have the peace of God. (laughs) And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about the powerful benefit of having the peace not only with, but the peace of God. If you have your Bibles, drop back with me to the book of Isaiah. Powerful scriptures in the book of Isaiah that we love so much. It's prophecies about the Lord. Isaiah chapter 9, in fact, verses 6 and 7. We usually quote this around Christmas time, but man, this works anytime. It said, for a child is born to us and a son is given to us. It says, the government will rest on his shoulders... And he will be called... And then I love this next part. He will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And then he's also called what? The Prince of Peace. So peace is not an it. The peace of God is a person. Uh, For me to have the peace of God, that simply means I have God. I have the prince of peace that resides in me. I love what the next verse says, though it says, His government or His rule makes something. It makes a peace that will never end. (laughs) So if I will allow God to gain more rule of my life, then a more of a peace that never has an end, it never has a stopping place, it It goes on and goes to depths we can't even imagine. There's not a one of us here that have not experienced somewhat the peace of God. But what I endeavor to do on this message today is somebody draw from the cross a greater sense, a greater depth. In fact, I call it the supernatural peace of God. When Jesus revealed it, he called it his Peace. But anything attached with Jesus is supernatural. And so it's the supernatural peace of God. In fact, let's go to John chapter 14, verse 27. Now, the book of John is a very uh, important book. (laughs) Uh, John was that disciple that would lean on Jesus' breast. John is that disciple that had that sense of deep love, deep appreciation for God, and John saw so much in the Lord. That's why I love St. John. I love 1 John, 2 John, Third John. I love because there's a revelation of Jesus that you find nowhere else. It's the revelation of a heart that is committed and dedicated and longing for the Lord. In fact, the book of St. John, the book of John that we're looking at, is only 12 days in Jesus' life. That's covered there. John saw so much in Jesus. He saw so much wonder. So much power. And so much glory. And so much intimacy in his relationship. To where he only wrote about 12 days of Jesus' life. Out of all the days that he walked with Jesus. And then he concludes St. John with this. He concludes it with. If I wrote about. All the things that he did, the world itself would not contain the books because John saw so much in the wonder of that person. And John chapter 14, verse 27, in fact, the whole, and let me say this if you can find one word in the book of John, it's important because he saw so much. If you find one verse in the book of John, wow, it's so important. Because he saw so much in Jesus. But when you find a chapter that's dedicated out of the few chapters that he wrote, then that subject is so important to you and I. In fact, there's a lifeline connected with it. That if I can take a hold to the lifeline that that chapter is speaking of, it will literally draw me, it will literally pull me, it will literally draw me into the heart of God. All right, verse 27, notice what it says. It said, peace I leave with you. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, of the supernatural peace, I'm leaving with you. My peace. But Jesus said, it's my peace. And Jesus qualifies it. It's not like the world peace. Most of the peace that we have as a believer, we classify peace and literally is based almost completely on what the world calls peace. But what Jesus is offering here is of much deeper. The one that's associated with the cross. The power of the supernatural peace that God's talking about. That, that comes out of the power of that cross. Is, is supernatural. It says, my peace I give to you. And then he says, not as the world gives. Do I give it to you? And then he tells us the secret of his peace. And the secret of peace with God is in the next part of that same little verse. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Let me ask you something. What's troubling your heart? What's bothering you? What is keeping you from experiencing the supernatural peace that God offers? He said, let not your heart be troubled. Don't let anything trouble you. Now, I was raised in a family that we were taught to worry very well. In fact, my family took pride in how much we could worry. (laughs) Because worrying said something. Worrying says, I care about you. We were taught that. That if you... Cared about somebody? Man, you worried about what they were going through. (laughs) I was raised in a family of expert worry warts. (laughs) But that's exactly opposite of what God said. The Lord said, if you're going to experience in my peace, you must have to learn to not worry. In fact, the peace that God has is in learning to trust me. Learning to lean on me with whatever you're going through. And learning to trust in that supernatural trust. Amen. Now, the last part of that verse, like I say, qualifies it. It tells me how to get it, how to gain it, how to move into it. How I'm going to allow the peace of God. See, the world tells us that peace is absence of difficulty. and I'm going to tell you what, a lot of us live like that. A lot of us have peace when we can see the situation working out. When I can see things changing, when I can see problems beginning to dissolve, then all of a sudden there's a sense of, that we call a sense of peace. But let me tell you, that's very worldly. In fact, that is peace that's totally come out of the mind. But the type of peace that Jesus is talking about is a type of peace that will hold you steady in the midst of the greatest, most howling storm that could ever come against you. I'm talking about something that can hold you steady, that can last past the storm, that can last past the difficulty, that can last past the attack, that can get you there into victory for the glory of God. He's talking about a supernatural peace. And let me tell you what, peace is a forerunner. There's a few things that's vitally important in the Christian believer's life because they're forerunners of any miracle that you'll ever receive. Now, one forerunner is is obvious, and that's the forerunner of faith. If I don't have faith, I'm not going to get it. If I can't believe God for it, I readily want to know I'm not going to receive it because if you're going to walk with God, you're going to walk by faith. It's the ability to trust God when you can't see it, when you can't hear it, when you can't feel it. But you know that God's given you an answer, giving you a promise, and you hold steady on it. So it's so important to know that faith is a forerunner. Also, confession is a forerunner of a miracle. It must, I must be willing to declare the Word of God. As you declare the Word of God, you have the opportunity to have the first entrance of your miracle to planet Earth. When you pray, God the Father sends the answer from heaven. But one of the first physical evidences that it's hit planet Earth is when you declare that truth out your mouth. How important is you to declare the Word of God? How important is you to declare what God's doing for you? Isn't it time to quit confessing our problems and begin to confess the power of God that's moving our problems in our life? Without the forerunner of confession, you will never ever see receive miracles. In Somebody's got to birth it. Somebody's got to open their mouth and trust God, even to begin to look foolish. Somebody has to declare the Word of God. If you're going to receive it on planet Earth. Another forerunner of miracles in our life is joy. Oh, we, we usually try to place that aside. We operate with what we call a happiness that's dependent on happenings in our life. And we say when things are going well, I'm happy. When things are not going well, I'm sad. I want you to know that you're not moving in the power of the cross that God's given to you. Because if you're going to move in the power of the cross, you have to have a joy in the midst of difficulty. There is a joy. The Bible said joy and strength are synonymous. Joy has the power to reach into your situation and pull a miracle out of it. Joy has the, has the power. Joy has the power to take difficulty and to pull a miracle. It's strong. Everybody say it's strong. Joy is strong. So if I were determined to have joy, joy said, how can I have joy? Your joy is in the promise. When you believe what God has promised you, there is an issue of joy that begins to flood out of your spirit, and if I will begin to yield to that, and still lay aside the things that would fight against that, far as grieving over that thing, being sad over that thing, there is a certain amount of little sadness that, that goes along with intercession. But when you, if you're an intercessor, there comes an end to intercession, and it comes a time to praise God with the joy of the Lord being your strength. Amen. How many of you there, how many of you have been facing a situation and you say, Jerry, I know God's doing this for me and it's time for me to move into praise. If bet you I want you to stand to your feet and I want you to give God a hilarious praise and glory to God. It's time to change it. It's time to change it. It's time to move. Now, up until that point, up until that point, you told it as an intercessor. And there's, there's a certain amount where God is able literally to hear the words that will come out of the tears that will pour out of my eyes in intercession. But there comes a moment for that miracle to come to pass. God has to change it. It has to be changed from that point of intercession to the point of praise. Now, I love, don't you love Psalms 149 where it says praise is the weapon that God gives us to defeat the forces of darkness. Praise is the weapon that God puts within our hand. Amen? So, so what we look at, the Bible says, let not your heart be troubled. The way that I'm going to have the peace of God is I'm going to begin to fight and wrestle. Everybody say fight and wrestle. That's my first point that I want to mention to you this morning. There is a fight to peace peace is a fight uh, let me read out amplified very quickly if I could John 14 it says do not let your hearts be troubled this is fourteen one. do not let your hearts be troubled distressed agitated you believe in and hear to and trust in and rely on god oh that's a beautiful word isn't it believe in trust in and rely on believe in trust in and rely on on god now and there's two Amplified Bibles now. I don't know if you were aware of that or not. There's a, a, another one that's been written. I think it came out in, what, 2015? Uh, and so there's a new one and then there's an old one. And I love both of them because I read and I love the Amplified Bible because it gives me more words. And if you're a woman here this morning, you love the Amplified because it just gives you more words. <laughs> Right? <laughs> it, just, it just gives you more words to work with. But I love it too. All right. Ampli said, do not let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. Do not let it be cowardly. Believe confidently in God and trust in Him. Have faith. And I love this part. It says, hold on to it. Hold on to it. Hold on to it. That's the peace that God's talking about. It's the type of peace that even in the midst of a storm, it will cause you to hold on to your promise and not give up for the glory of God. It says, hold on to it and rely on it and keep going. When am I going to get through this storm? You just keep your peace inside your heart and you keep walking. You will eventually get through it. Here's what the promise of the Lord gives us. All right, number one is peace is a fight. In John 14, 27, let me say it again. Peace I leave with you. This is amplified version of verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My own peace I now give and bequeath to you. Not as the world gives, I do I give to you. Do not let everybody say, do not. do not. There is a battle to peace. If you're going to come out with the peace of God. Now I failed to mention earlier that not only is joy a forerunner, but peace is a forerunner. In fact, I want most of you to know. That until you allow that thing to come into the peace of God, that thing's worrying you, that thing's disturbing you, that thing's keeping you agitated, that thing's keeping you mad, that thing's keeping you sad. And as long as that's there, you're still far away from your miracle. You must allow God to bring your situation into a place of peace. You must come to a place to have gentle, quiet trust in your heart. Even though no matter how much the storm out here is raging, inside your heart there must be the gentle, quiet peace of trust in God. And when tears are flowing out here inside your heart, there must be that gentle, I can trust the Lord. I can trust you, God. I can trust you. I can trust you to take care of this. I can trust you to take care of me. I can trust you to take care of mine. I can trust you to bring us through this. I can trust you. And that gentle, quiet trust inside your heart gives place to the miracles that God wants to bring. It was because that Jesus had the gentle, quiet peace. asleep on a pillow in the bottom of that boat that gave place to the miracle that happened that shut down the storm. If you want to shut down the storms in your life, you allow God to bring you into a place of peace. Now, it takes a fight. Everybody say it takes a fight. It takes a fight to come into that peace. You, it, it takes a process of a fight. You know, it's not that, oh, yeah, I got it now, Jerry. I'll have peace. From now on, I'm not going to worry. Yeah, I'll give you five minutes at that. Yeah. That, your, your strength won't do it, honey. Your strength will not be able to produce your miracle because it's going to take a wrestle and a fight for you to come out with the type of peace. First place you have the peace, and, and I told them this morning, Rita was here, Rita Widener, and Rita's sister, Peggy, that's with the Lord now, but Peggy was close friends to Elaine and I for a number of years. And we had this thing, because Peggy was going through a real hard time, we were going through a real hard time. And we developed this sense of how to battle. And this is what we develop. You take what it is that you're having to wrestle with, and you take it in your prayer closet because in your prayer closet there with the word of God before you there with the worship music going there with the praise and there with all that's there in the midst of your prayer time and you declare and you win over that thing then you walk out of that prayer closet and you will not give it another thought you refuse to think it You refuse to worry about it. Somebody says, I can't do it. Yeah, honey, you can. We'll show you some scriptures in just a moment. God would never, ever tell you to do anything. When he said, let not your heart be troubled, that's because he was willing to give you the grace to where that your heart would not have to be troubled. Anything that God asks you to do, he never asks you to do it on your own. He asks you to do it because he is willing to invest in you and he's willing to put a grace of God in you that will give you the supernatural strength to be able to do it. Now, you can try to quit worrying on your own all day long, and you just won't have enough strength to do it. You can quit trying to be anxious. You can quit trying to let it be troubling in your heart. I'm not going to let it trouble me anymore. People that say that, you can 20 minutes later and that thing's troubling them worse than when they started out. But God's grace. Everybody say, but God's grace. Somebody that appreciates God's grace. I want somebody just to jump up and thank God for His grace. God's grace. God's grace, God's grace, God's grace, God's grace, God's grace, God's grace grace has the power and the ability to change each one of us. There is no excuse any longer for not being obedient to God because the same God that tells us and directs us what to do is the same God that will empower us to do it. If God said, do not be troubled about this anymore, then God's ready to give you the grace not to be troubled about it anymore for the glory of God. Amen. Let's take a battle. And we learn, like I said with Peggy Lane now, we learned years ago, you first win it five minutes before you can win it 24 hours a day. But then you, it's worth the battle if you realize that I've got to have this peace before God is going to be able to do it, if peace is what it's going to take that's going to release my miracle, whatever it is I'm trusting God about, if it's going to take me getting in peace, then it must become willing for my fight. I must be willing to fight for it. Then you win it five minutes a day in your prayer closet. And you walk out of there and you refuse worry and anger, resentment, sorry feeling sorry for yourself, whatever it is that's robbing you. Each one of us have one of those, and some of us have more than our share of those. Those enemies to our soul that come to God. But you fight till you win. And you'll have some days you'll do good, and you'll have some days you'll do bad. But the thing about it, you get up and fight another day, honey. Don't you lay down and quit. Because the peace of God has been given to us through the power of the cross. And if I'm willing to fight for it, I have to fight for it and I have to fight against other things. I must fight against that worry. I must fight against that doubt. I must fight against those things. And then I must begin to fight for what I do believe. And if I will begin to fight for what I believe, then God will grant an area of peace. Everybody say, peace is a fight. It's a fight. And in Colossians chapter 3, verse... 15, that's what it says. Uh, uh, chapter 3, verse 15. It says, Let the peace of God. It says, Let it. I, it. See, God knows that I have the power and the ability. I have within me the power of God to let the peace of God rule my life. I have it. Everybody say, I have it. I have. Each one of us have it. The devil tells, tells you that you've got to worry. God says, The peace of God can rule your life if you will let it. Now, notice what this says. This is something I must do. You can't do it for me. But I'll tell you what, I can't do it for you either. I cannot make you let the peace of God rule your life. I want you to have peace. I'll pray for you to have peace. I'll encourage you to walk in peace. But when the rubber meets the road, it comes down to this. Either I won't... My miracle from God enough to fight whatever it takes for me to fight it, unto where I can begin to let peace rule in my heart. Amen. Now I love the wonderful way it says this it, in Colossians uh, three fifteen. One verse said it said let let the peace of God. Then verse sixteen, the next verse right behind it, let the word of Christ live. Let me tell you, you will never ever let peace rule until you decide decide to let the Word of God live. The Word of God is the very resource to where I battle back the doubt and the fears with. It's not a self-help book. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. it. That's what you do. It's not that type of thing. It's the type where you're relying on the grace of God. You're relying on God's strength to term that thing. And your confidence and your trust is in the Lord. Everybody say, my trust is in the Lord. So it says, if I will let peace rule and i let the word of Christ live. And then I love verse 17, the beginning of it. Verse 17 says, and whatever you do or say, you do it as a representative of the Lord. If you want to know how Jesus would be handling your situation, he would be doing two things. He would be letting the peace of God rule that situation. And the next thing he would do, he would be letting the Word of God dwell in him in a rich way. He would be speaking that Word. If you're not willing to get that Word inside you, you're not willing to win this thing. I've prayed with hundreds of people. During the 40 years I've been pastor, I've prayed with so many people. And during that great praying with people, people won't meet you all they're praying, and they don't want to do any re- reaching out or seeking. I'm here to tell you, honey, I can't do it for you. But if you will begin to let the peace of God rule in your heart, if you're willing to fight back that worry and fight back that doubt and fight back that unbelief, if you're willing to, to get a hold of God's Word and get it an into your heart, get you a sword in your hand that's strong enough to fight, give, your, give yourself a sword, a double-edged sword that you can go after the enemy that's trying to go after you amen so everybody say it's fight next thing that it does oh let let me show you about what happens to the person that refuses that responsibility let's say i refuse the responsibility to fight and i choose to just give way give way to my feeling and I'll, i'll give way to that doubt and i'll give way to this worry I'll let this worry just worry me to death. I'll, I'll let it be bothering me. You know, you know, I won't. I'll let trouble bother me. <laughs> Somebody just said right over here in this section, they just said, I'm not that way. Yes, you are, honey. The devil's tried to twist you and warp you, but I'm telling you, Jesus can straighten you out if you will let him do it for the glory of God. God would do a great work. Now, the person that refuses the responsibility of covenant, what God's talking about in the power of his cross. He's talking about the covenant. It's the New Testament. It's the covenant that is in the blood of Jesus. But there is a responsibility that each one of us have when it comes in terms of that covenant. Now, it, you can look all the way back to the book of Deuteronomy. and just, It's a classic words there. What happens to when God comes and offers this peace? And the peace of God, let me tell you, the peace of God rules you first inside but, honey, if you'll continue to believe God, it won't be long to the peace of God will begin to rule that outside. And it won't be long then until the peace of God will begin to rule that situation and that circumstance that you're facing. In Deuteronomy 28, it tells you, it talks about the, the believer or the person that's in covenant that refuses to accept the responsibility. Look at your neighbor and say, I accept responsibility. I've got to believe God. I've got to believe His Word. I've got to speak His Word. I've got to pray. I mean, that's responsibility. That's that's I, God expects me to have a responsibility in His covenant. In verse 65 of Deuteronomy 28, notice what it says. It says, there... Can we bring that? Yeah, there we go. Right, there among those nations you will find no peace. God said, everywhere you live, you'll have no peace. You won't have peace. You won't have a place to rest. And that's what peace is. Peace is the very thing that God told Adam was to be his in that garden. And that's what, that's what is robbed out of our life. When I don't fight for the peace of God in my life, then what's going to happen? I've ended the rest. Life is going to become worrisome to my life. You know, what it says. Our place to rest and the Lord will cause your heart to tremble, your eyesight to fail, and your soul to despair. Your life will constantly hang in the balance. You will live night and day in fear Unsure if you will survive in the morning you will say if only it were night and the evening you will say if only it were morning For you will be terrified by the awful horrors you see all around you Then the lord will send you back to egypt in ships To a destination. I promised you that you would never see again I'm, just here to tell you this not the will of the lord It's not the will of god for your life to be in bondage it's not the will of God for you to stay in that hurt position. It's not the will of God. It's not the will of God for you to stay in that place of wounded, woundedness. It's not the will of the Lord. God don't want you to have to go back in that ship into Egypt. That's what he's saying. God doesn't want you to have to return back to the place of bondage. He said, I've set you free. But the things that work has to be worked. And the responsibility that we have in the covenant is... I must fight for the peace of God in my heart, Amen. The second thing about peace, peace is an inward strength. Not only does it take a fight, but peace is an inward strength, Amen. In Philippians chapter four, notice what it says: "Rejoice in the Lord." Everybody say joy. joy. Yeah, I got joy down deep in my soul. If I could sing, I would sing that to you right now. Man, the mayor was here yesterday, and and he started off he started off our prayer meeting. That big, glorious voice he's got, he started off with this big sound of praising and worshiping God. Man, i said said that man, I wish I had a voice. Man, I wish I could sing. But if I was to start doing that, we'd see you in, in two years probably. You wouldn't want to come back. <clears throat> but the first thing the Lord tells us, if I'm going to be able to move into this place God's calling, I've got to begin to rejoice in things. I've got to quit. I must stop the way that I've been handling it. I must begin to handle it like the Lord, whatever that thing is. And some people do that over their health. Man, they just—they always troubled over their health. Some people are always troubled over their family. Some people are always troubled over their job. Some people are always troubled over their coworkers. Others are always troubled over their children. Others are troubled about everything in life. You've just got to make a decision that your lot in life is to be a rejoicer and not a complainer. You've just got to make a decision that I'm going to handle life differently for the glory of God. And the first ways we begin to rejoice. Verse 5 says, let your gentle spirit. As one of the major reasons that God is developing peace inside of us, because the very peace that changes my situation is also going to change me. That very peace that I'm fighting for, that I'm fighting so far out here, is going to do something in my spirit that I won't only that only God can do. God's going to develop me. He's going to develop my character. He's going to develop my nature. And you keep watching a person that walks in peace, and it won't be long to where you'll begin to see them just like Jesus. Amen. All right, then verse 6 says, Do not be anxious or worried. Do you understand that, what it says? What are you anxious about? What are you worrying about? Why are you troubled? It said, Do not be anxious or worried about anything. What does it say, anything? Somebody needs to underline that about five times. We all feel like, Well, I don't worry about those things, but I got this thing. God's talking about this thing. God's talking about that one thing that really bothers you. The one thing, you've let a hundred things, you've handled it well. But now it's that one thing that worries you. It's that one thing that gets you down. And that's why God has said that. He's addressing it. He said, do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything. Everybody say, but in everything. How do I handle it? But in everything, by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, continue to make your request. On. Now, the Bible says, if I will do that, then I will have the peace of God. That next verse, notice what it says. The next verse says, and the peace of God comes. If I am willing to handle the way that I'm dealing with my difficulty, if I'm willing to rejoice, and if I'm willing to let God's peace begin to affect me, begin to gentle my heart down, begin to drive that that, that opposes Christ out of me and allow it to be replaced. See, the God's grace does all of that as we're there fighting for that peace. And then if, I, then if I am willing then to begin to fight worry, to get it out of my life, then the next thing that happens, God says, my peace comes. Amen. And notice that the peace that comes, He said it will transcend all understanding. When the, world, when the world's out there trying to offer us a fake kind of peace, a kind of peace that is only, only there when things are going good, God's offering you a supernatural peace that will be there no matter what is happening, no matter what storm is raging. God's offering us a supernatural, Holy Ghost-powered peace that's able to settle out any storm. Amen? And then they said the peace of God. Notice what it does, too, and brings us to the next one. It stands guard over our hearts and mind. God grants us a peace. If I'm willing to rejoice instead of complaining, if I am willing to allow that peace to be developed inside me, and if I'm willing to fight worry, God says, I will receive a peace that will guard my heart and mind. It will put a guard, a shield. It'll put it around my heart and mind. Uh, don't you love the book of Philippians? You know, we, we, we use this to say a lot of things. And I believe you can. I believe there is no end to the Word of God. Somebody's always said about me, said, man, you use so many versions. Aren't you scared you'll get wrong? I don't think you can go too deep for God's Word. i I you, I think the deeper you dig, the deeper you find it is. I think if you can find five words to describe him, then there's ten words out there that describe him. I believe there's 20. I, I mean, I just, I just believe God is so big, don't you? I just believe that God is so big. But sometimes it helps to go back and see what they're really addressing. We go back, and you know why it's talking about this piece that we've been talking about in the book of Philippians? You know, what the, you know what just a few verses after that says? I can do all things through Christ. Because you know what? Because God knows for these, for these things to happen for us, it's going to take some storms. God knows it's going to take, you're not going to get the best of God and the devil just lay down and play dead. He hates you. And he, if you've been called to do something wonderful, if you've been called to do something great, I guarantee you, you're going to have to do it fighting the devil all the way for the glory of God. And so you just got to know that some people's peace is the absence of difficulty. Man, that's dead. That's not peace. There's only one. That's dead. You have to be dead for that to be. That's not what God's talking about. He's not talking about the absence of hard circumstances. The closer you get to God, probably the harder of the circumstances, the bigger of the mountain, the more you're going to walk, the greatest the soldier you're going to become. Amen. God's not talking about it getting easier. He's talking about you getting stronger. And able to walk forth for the glory of the Lord. Well, that's why that book, that Philippians, kindly over the epitaph or the end when it's talking about this peace that God's going to give you. And he said, it will be such a strength in you that truly, Paul said, I can do all things because it's God's inner strength. It's inner strength. That's oozing inside my life. Amen. And just in case you you think you don't think it applies to that? You know, Paul's not addressing here. I can, Larry, I'll pick you. I can do all things. All right. Or if Andy was here, I'd be saying, or really what he's talking about he's talking about the beatings he went through he's talking about the scourgings that he went you know when it says that they beat Paul with rods you know what that means the way they beat what that was beating with rods they would take his feet and they would turn his feet up to the soldier with a huge rod he would take that rod and he would beat on the bottom of his feet until every bone and his foot was broken. They would burn him, leave him for dead, walk away. But do you know who talked about peace more than any other writer of the New Testament? Paul. It was the one that went through the most storms. And right here in the midst of all that was going on in Paul's life he says the way I handled it that I had a supernatural peace from God. And that peace kept me rejoicing in the hardest of circumstances. And that peace made me gentle when everybody else was trying to make me hard. And that peace kept me going into God's Word, consistently drawing promises that would cause me to live another day. Yes, he said, I can do all things. The devil can't make it bad enough. He cannot raise up enough against me to make me stop. I'm on a mission from God. (laughs) And I've got a mission to fulfill for the glory of His God. So go ahead. Beat me. Break every bone in my feet, then demand me to walk. Beat my back. Place me in the prison dungeon and forget about me. Because I can do all things through Christ who issues, oozes, oozes his strength into my life. The supernatural peace of God. Well, we're going to go ahead and talk about the peace of God tonight. But today, it's a place that we stop. I don't know about you. But when I lay my life up beside any kind of comparison to Jesus or if I lay my life up to any kind of comparison to Paul my issues really don't seem much like an issue. But they taught me walking through such hard difficult times us how that God wanted us to walk through our hard times in the bottom of the boat (laughs) asleep on a pillow while the storm rages all around. Carest thou not, master? Don't you care that we're dying? <laughs> Don't you care? <laughs> Where's your faith? Where's your faith? Where's your trust, Jesus asked. Because if you would just trust God, He will bring you safely to the other side. Some unexpected storms Has risen up. There's some waves that you never thought would be there that's rolling against you. People that you love have deserted you. Friends you thought that would always be on your side, now they're talking about you. Nobody understands you. But Jesus says, Where's your trust? Where's your trust? Don't you know you can lay your head on the bosom of the master? Don't you know that you can feel his arms embrace you? Oh, don't you know that he'll support you and he'll hold your hand? Don't you know you will never walk through anything that he won't offer his hand to you and never ask you to lead the way? He'll say, Come on, my son, walk with me. I love that scripture. How many times, how much peace it brings. (laughs) I'll hold your hand, Jerry saying unto you, fear not, I am here to help you. It'll cause you to be able to lay down in the midst of that lion's den and sleep all night. It will allow you to trust God when the doctor's bad report is coming. It will cause you to trust God When no one wants you in their life anymore. It will cause you to trust God. When your finances are falling and there's no way to pay the bills. It will cause you to trust God. When everyone's going away and no one is seeming to come your way. But you will trust God. And the Bible calls that peace. And in the midst of that peace, even though the storm is raging, God will hold you dear, honey, and he'll bring you through for the glory of God.